Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, June 14th, and before we begin today's podcast, a bit of an apology. Obviously, no Tuesday, no Thursday podcast this week. We're all still a little bit fatigued from the French Open. You know, it felt like we played four days in a row as well with all the back-to-back podcasts, so we apologize for that. We will be resuming our normal schedule starting next week, so Monday through Friday. Expect podcasts on all of those days. That being said, there is a ton of great tennis to talk about this week. It's really crazy that we're already at the grass uh, portion of the tennis year. It feels like just yesterday, you know, we had our French Open final. We had, oh, that obviously was recently, but it feels like we were on the Australian Open talking Hopman Cup not that long ago. That being said, all eyes turn to the grass this week on the ATP side. We've got the event in Stuttgart. We've got the event in the Netherlands. Joining me to talk about all of the action going on there, you know him now as the host of our Wednesday Mini Break podcast. Obviously, a former Denison men's tennis superstar and a Cracked Rackets contributor extraordinaire, James Foster McDonald. Welcome to the Mini Break Podcast. Good to be back on the other side. How's it going? Oh, it's always a good day when I get to podcast with you guys. Thursday night, we've got, yeah, that's for you. We've got a game six going on right now, Golden State Toronto. Mm -hmm. So that's obviously great. But more importantly, we were treated to some fantastic tennis, and I'm excited to talk about all of it. Me too, man. Let's get into it. All right, well then, let's start right away. Uh, Let's start, I'm going to start in Stuttgart, because to be honest, I think there were more results that I want to talk about there, at least explore a little bit in depth, and whenever I bring Jamie on, I know he's going to yell at me if I don't keep the podcast on the shorter side. True, you are on a timer, my friend. You are on a timer. So we will try and do that today, but as we mentioned in Stuttgart today, uh, four round of 16 matches, two of them go three sets, but all of them really excellent matches, all of them a result worthy of talking about. The match I want to start out with, the upset probably of the day, and it was a rough day for seeds all around, but Alexander Zverev, who I believe it was the number one seed in this tournament, loses to Dustin Brown. Now, obviously, we all know what Dustin Brown has done over the years on grass. Uh, 6-4, 6-7, 6-3. I mean, for those not familiar with Brown's style, obviously it was in full effect in this match. Can you kind of explain what it is, Jamie, and why it made for such fantastic tennis today? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so much fun to watch. It disrupts the rhythm of any of these guys. You know, someone like Zverev particularly, um, you know, maybe he hasn't been in his top, top form, but still, when you've got a guy like Dustin Brown, he's serving and balling, he's chipping and charging, he's crashing the net, you know, he's doing janky slice stuff, which, hey, you know me, I love that. Um, you know, it just throws him so many different looks, and, and Dustin Brown just did a great job of keeping a ton of pressure on Zverev. You know, he never was really able to just be comfortable. He was always trying to, you know, hit a passing shot on the run. He was always being forced to hit a ball into a small target. And so Dustin Brown executed really well. Um, He, honestly, I think Zverev had a lot of chances on the Brown serve that he wasn't able to convert. And credit to Dustin Brown, came in with some big shots and some big moments as we we expect from him in, in the flashy style. But yeah, a ton of fun to watch Dustin Brown anytime he's playing well. And I do want to talk about the Zverev stuff you kind of mentioned there because there were some interesting tidbits, obviously, that we can take away from this match. From the Dustin Brown perspective, a little more background for you listeners. He's 34 years old, has a career high of number 64, which he achieved in October of 2016. You look at his best results at a slam. He's made the third round twice at Wimbledon, uh, 2013 and 2015. 
Obviously, the most notable win probably of his career when he knocked off Rafa Nadal in four sets in the second round in 2015. So yeah, his style, as you mentioned, it's not only the serve and volley, it's returning in volley too. He's yeah. taken everything early. He does not want to play baseline points. He's going to throw in drop shots at will to make points shorter. And of course, on the grass, it's so much harder to change direction, make that plunge forward, and then prepare yourself for the second shot. And of course, for Zverev coming off of a long clay season, not much time to adjust. I thought he moved really well in this match given that. But as you mentioned, you look at some of the stats from this one for Brown. He makes 61% of his first serve points, wins 71% of those uh, first serve points, wins 60% of his second serve points. But then the most important thing, and you kind of mentioned this, he saved 13 of the 14 break points he faced. And I think something to emphasize in case you listeners forgot, as we've entered the grass season, playing aggressive, strike first tennis, making your opponent be the one who's changing directions and has to find any sort of defense to prevent, you know, that opponent from jumping on them. Um, it, it just is, it's that much harder on the grass. And yeah, for Dustin Brown, his variety, the fact that he was trying to end points early, that's why he won this match. And that's why he has success on the surface. Yeah, no. And you, I mean, and you, you can, you can, you know, spend all day talking about the flashiness of his game. You know, he's always going to have a diving volley or two. He's always going to have some great touch, little field drop volley or a lob. That's great. And that's really fun and entertaining. But, you know, when you get down to it, you know, he, he does a great job of beating some of these guys that are so, so solid because he just gives them no rhythm and it's just constant pressure. And, and you saw a great example of that executed today. I agree with you. And now from the Alexander Zverev side, Look at, the, I mean, this is the stat that jumps out right away. 21 aces against 14 double faults. Yeah. And there were times in this match, you know, he gets broken early in the first set. I believe he threw in a double fault in that game. The game he gets double faulted, or he gets broken in in the third set. He double faults one away mm-hmm. there. Uh, you look at the game he got broken on in the third set. That game before, that three-all game, Dustin Brown serving, he had multiple breakpoint opportunities, which again yep. was a theme on the day. And, you know, for Zverev, he saved seven of the 10 breakpoints he faced. And when you have 14 double faults, your opponent's obviously going to get break chances. I thought he weathered the Dustin Brown storm about as well as anyone can on grass, especially when Brown's firing the way he was. You know, he did have difficulties with the passing shots, but as I mentioned, I thought he tracked down a ton of drop shots, made a ton of extra balls, actually won a not a ton, but as much as you can expect to volley to volley exchanges with Dustin Brown. And I guess Mm -hmm. my question to you, and then we can move on from this match from the Zverev perspective. And I think we'll see this later when we talk about Stefano Tsitsipas, who was a loser today as well, that they were playing in the quarterfinals of the French Open last week, or at least for Zverev, that he was playing in the quarterfinals of the French Open last week. I know grass you know opportunities to get match play at grass tournaments are few and far between, but I don't know if, if he should have played this tournament. Really, I just think you don't have time to adjust to the surface. It's a rushed process after you make that quarterfinal round. What was sure. that on the Tuesday, the Wednesday? Even though he lost to Djokovic the way he did, I just you need more than a week to acclimate yourself to the transition that is clay to grass and. Yeah, this isn't a bad loss. When Dustin Brown plays the way he does, I don't know what else you can expect Zverev to do. Uh, you know, Brown was coming up with half valleys, just dives, the most incredible stuff. But 
I just would have taken an extra week to prepare myself. I'm sure a player of his caliber can find grass courts to train on. And then, you know, you play Queens the following week. Maybe you play uh, London the week after. Yeah, I think, oh, no, sorry. It goes London's that week, then Eastbourne, uh, I think, Queens the week after that. Just buy yourself some time. Don't rush this process because you want to be in your best form come Wimbledon. You don't want to be in doubt about your level of play. Well, I mean, how much do you think, I mean, and we don't need to just speculate wildly about what he was thinking, but do you think the fact that this is Stuttgart, you know, in his home country had something to do with why he was playing this? And as you said, maybe a rush. I don't want to, okay, this is kind of dealing in rumors, but obviously uh, prize money, uh, appearance fees being what they are, I feel saying an educated guess, and I don't know this exact circumstance, I'm sure Stuttgart said, hey, Zero, if you play this event, there's a nice appearance fee for you. So yes, I think there was absolutely that pressure. Uh, But you look at, again, second serve points, 9 of 32 on the day for Zverev. Again, 14 double faults. He just, anytime Brown could jump on a second serve, play aggressive tennis, Zverev wasn't at the point where he was comfortable getting himself back to a neutral position. And maybe that's, again, a testament to Brown. I don't want to take anything away from his performance. But this just, I I think this match, just the way I saw Zverev get more comfortable on the surface as this match went on, and I think had it gone three out of five, he would have found it in himself to win this one. I just don't think he was quite ready from set number one for this matchup. No, and I think I think you can say that a lot about a lot of players. I mean, look, this transition right here is so quick from clay to grass. That's that's tough. Um, but at the end of the day, at least for me in this match, a lot of the issues that Zverev had, yeah, he might not have been comfortable. It might not be completely ready uh, or up to his sort of expectation on the grass. But, you know, he's got to play cleaner you know, at least from a serve and return perspective. Return, sure, that's definitely tough because you're not used to seeing the ball come in like that. But his serve really needed to be better today to be able to get across the finish line. I think that's completely fair. And again, 112 points for Brown, 106 for Zverev. It really was an either-or match. You know, despite all the breakpoint chances, only four break total in a three-set match. Yeah, those are thin margins. So yeah, good match. I'm not saying it was... Again, I'm not taking anything away. I just think... You're Alex Zverev. You don't need to rush back. Although, if I could get a nice appearance fee out of it, maybe I would have as well. But all right, with that, let's talk about our next match. We're sticking in Stuttgart. A great result for an American, Dennis Kudla, who, when asked, you know, what's his favorite part about the clay season, he says that we're that much closer to the grass portion of the year. <laughs> he knocks out an in-form, obviously, Gael Monfils, 7-5, in what was a, a physically impressive, just incredible shot-making Phenomenal tennis that, again, another match could have gone either way. The scoreline obviously reflects that. Um, but... I think Dennis, you know, you, you can say, oh, maybe, you know, Gael plays one loose game. But no, I thought Dennis Kudla, two out of three sets, he was the being the aggressor. He was the one who honestly looked more comfortable on the surface. No, I think that's fair, um, especially in that first set. One thing you can kind of pull out of it is, at least when I was seeing the points that, you know, got into a real ground stroke rally, Monfils, he was just being too complacent, I think. You know, like you said, Kudla was the one who was kind of directing the ball, and Monfils was just kind of being okay, and it just with hey, I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to slice a ball from the middle. I'm not really So gonna... many forehand slices. Yeah, you know, and he's like, hey, you know, I'm the first person to you love a forehand slice. But, I mean, come on. He was he was in position to really sort of wrestle control of some points, and he, he just didn't. 
you know, he was very okay with just staying there, you know, slicing one back, going down the middle. And um, so credit to Kudla for coming out of the first set and winning that. Like you said, he did play a loose game there at the end. I think he was, what, he got broken at 5-5 and Kudla served for it. Um, In that first set. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you can kind of say that, oh, and but I will say, I mean, Kudla, he did a great job of any time Monfi would kind of get back and get some momentum, you know, he would control it and come back. And so, um, like you said, a really good win. And as you alluded to with his quote, he does love the grass and he does look comfortable on it. What was most interesting to me about this one, we talked about the last match, uh, how many breakpoint opportunities there were, but not many conversions. In this one, you know, Kudla on the match goes 5 of 6, Gael Monfils 4 of 7. These guys were getting into each other's service games, and it really came down to, you know, if one of Monfils or Kudla made a first serve and they got to be the aggressor, they were winning that point. If either of them hit a second serve, now both of these guys stepping in, playing flat balls. I thought Dennis Kudla really made a conscious choice to play to the Monfils backhand side try and lull Monfils into slicing the backhand and you know Kudla loves playing variety on that backhand side his patterns cross cross down the line for himself you know when he he was very uh very careful in terms of opening the backhand down the line because you'd never want to have an on-the-run Monfils forehand, and I think he had a couple of great ones in this match. But just Kudla's patience, he really does drive the ball so well on a grass court, really hits through the court in a way that players with, you know, spinnier shots really aren't able to. He played just a a really impressive match. Again, stayed calm, didn't do anything too crazy, uh, but just an efficient match for him. Uh, Didn't, you know, played as patient as you need to do to beat a guy like Gael Monfils. For sure. And now it sets up a really fun one, too. You know, now he gets to go play at Berrettini. Um, And so that's going to be a really fun matchup for me. But, um, yeah, I mean... All, all the way around, great to see an American do well on not a hard court. So anytime we can get that, uh, I'm going to be happy. Hot take right now. I asked this to, I believe, Roth. Don't do well this to me. Time. Why do you do this? <sighs> Which American male goes furthest in the singles portion of Wimbledon? And by the way, I really wanted to ask you this so I can mention, Mackie McDonald pulled out of Wimbledon with injury. He's going to yeah. fall out of the top 100 because Well, he just it. had that surgery, right? Yeah, yeah, brutal. Yeah, it's tough. Well... I don't know. Ask me again in a week, and my na- my answer will probably change. But um, I'd say it comes down to go, and all okay, due respect. All right, what, what else you got for me? No, I'm going to give you. I you sounded like you were struggling, so I was going to give you a little help. Fritz, who I think made the third round last year, he was going to be my pick. Yeah, so. Kudla, good go. pick. If Isner's healthy, who knows? If I yeah, would say that's, not, Steve. That's Johnson. the big question. Is so in my head, I was thinking, oh well, I don't know about Isner. Um, so you ready so for I'll the real big, the real big question? Riley Opelka. I mean, what do we know? Former junior Wimbledon champ. This is going to be he's True. in on the main draw. He gets hot serving for a week straight. He plays, you know, nine tiebreakers over, th- you know, three matches. Who's to say he's not doesn't find himself in a fourth round? No, I mean, that's very true, um, obviously, with these so so draw-dependent. But, yeah, with him, man, if he's serving well, who's going to stop him? I think that's such a big thing with Fritz, too, though. If he's serving well, I mean, we've seen him really develop a nice you know, one-two punch off that first serve, especially. If he's hitting the big serve-big forehand combo on the grass and he's getting comfortable with his movement, um, he's really, really dangerous, too. And so that's why I think if I have to pick one right now, I don't know. I like your call with Opelka, but I think Fritz, to me, um, is also a pretty good pick for, for an American to go to make a little bit of a run. I agree. If I was setting odds, him, Kudla, Opelka. Uh, him and Kudla are probably the favorites if Isner's not healthy. You think Kudla um, over Opelka? 
I mean, it, it all depends on how the draw breaks, right? If one well, of them gets Novak Djokovic in the first round, no. So well, it's impossible sure. to say. In terms of raw talent, I just... To play Riley Opelka on grass, to, and again, I'm still getting acclimated to watching grass at this point of the year. It's very different than clay, but you can just see how frustrated all these players, the common theme of, you know, Dustin Brown, Dennis Kudla, and we'll talk right now about Felix Ogier Alassim. They played first strike tennis. They were aggressors. And the word that comes to mind when you're talking about Riley Opelka's tennis, he's the ultimate aggressor, right? And well, just sure. no matter who he's playing, Kudla, a guy's a little bigger than him, hits big serves, hits him off the court. That's a possibility. Riley Opelka is the aggressor in every match he plays. You know, that's why he has a chance. Who do you take? I think, and maybe not Delpa, but was it Kevin Anderson to five sets in Australia uh, a while back? He, you know, I just think it's so hard to deal with that serve in a three out of five format. That's why I really like his chances, and that's why I think I talked about it with Ben Rothenberg in a pod uh, we did a little bit ago. I mean, he's just a guy I'm so fascinated by because of the amount of tools he has available to him. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's fair. I guess we'll we'll see what happens, but. Any of our nice Americans with, with grass-suited games, um, you know, we're going to be looking for in Wimbledon. And, you know, shameless promotion for myself here. I get to go to Wimbledon, so I'm going to be wow. tuning into any of those matches as much as possible. Anytime there's American. I'm going with my dad, and he won't know, you know, like the, the non-huge names as much as me, and I'm probably going to be wanting to take him to some random court to go watch an American. He's going to be like, who the hell is this guy? So um, you realize you're going to have podcast obligations while you're there. Uh, no. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be yeah. fun. Oh, it's going to be a blast. I, I mean, I'm so jealous for so many reasons. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's great. I, okay, one more tangent, and I swear this will be... No, I don't swear, but this will yeah, be Yeah, I was about to say, easy ones. what you say there. Yeah, exactly. I won't do that to you. Um, hot take, it's early in the year. Compare grass, clay, hard court. Rank the three in terms of surfaces you enjoy watching tennis on the most. Um... Yeah, that's tough. I it's either I mean Clay's my number one. Um of course for and then slice. Clay's my number one and then I could make arguments for grass or hard being two and three respectively. I think probably come down to it, probably hard court two and then grass three. Um, grass, I mean, I've just had the least amount of exposure to it. It's the shortest one. I will say I love how it provides a short little buffer. Um, and it really breaks sort of the rhythm of what we've been seeing, which is always really fun. It's kind of, it's fun to see that type type of game, but you know, when you're talking about the greatest, I don't know, to me, those great ground stroke rallies and deep matches, I don't know. There's nothing like it. Those grueling ones on the clay, I I don't think I can be matched. I'm very Michigan biased. Hard court's number one for me. You can see everything on a hard court, and there's just stability. There's, uh, you know, your combination of sliding plus serve and volley. Yeah, that surface is hard on the joints, though, man. (laughs) That may be true, but I'm watching it. I'm not playing it, so that's its own different thing. Grass tennis... So some of the, you know, the first strike you see, some of the diving, I mean, some of these people are freaking putting on performances. Nikolaj yeah. Jerry in his match versus Pass, we'll talk about it in a little bit. They, I mean, Jerry dove one point because Pass had dove like three times. And then because Jerry dove for a drop shot, Pass threw in an unnecessary dive. And it's just like, all right, guys, this is freaking acting. Yeah, uh, he he does do the unnecessary dive, I will say. He, yeah. I, he hasn't been on the, obviously, he hasn't been on the scene too long, but... I've seen a disproportionate amount of diving volleys from Sitsipas. I'm like, all right, man, we, we really don't yeah. need to be there. But Dude, save fine. those joints. Yeah, come on. And yeah, come on. so I would go hard court. 
the real answer would probably clay number two, but Federer, I mean, not Federer, Nadal just always wins on clay, and so that's what I always associate it with. So it's like, do I really need to even watch this when you know the result? But the team resurgence, I'll give clay the bump to two. I, and Zverev, probably the most successful on clay thus far in his career, so I'll give it the bump to two. I'm obviously biased. Yeah, grass number three, it's just so monotonous, right? It's like, oh, you got him misfooted, now he's in trouble. And so that's a conversation, I guess, for it's later. It's funny, the Murray, the Murray man, not well, liking the grass Wimbledon, and Wimbledon. No, you know, grass not. tennis and Wimbledon are two separate things. Wimbledon is an event. Wimbledon is a okay, scene. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give grass you that. tennis, I like. this is what I'm saying, and we will always talk about it, but like Stuttgart, like, eh. Fair. Okay, cool I'm, matchups. I, mean, I, get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I appreciate that. But all right, with that being said, I kind of mentioned it a bit earlier. Let's talk about our next match. Our, another young guy I want to talk about, FAA, who is mentioned in any conversation about you know young talents on tour. He does not play the French Open, gets worn down after playing a tournament the week before. And scheduling-wise, you could talk about that decision, although you could argue at this point for FAA. Playing the slams doesn't really matter. All tournament experience is good experience, and obviously you want him to get that experience at the slams, but if he's not healthy, given the success he's had thus far, I think it's totally fine for him to sit that out. That being said, he's a well-rested player, and he comes into this match, knocks off Jill Simone, seven five six four, and really just such aggressive tennis. I talked about the importance of being decisive, being willing to come in. FAA's ability to change directions, particularly the fact that he can do it off of both wings, forehand and backhand, I think his game is going to translate on grass so well throughout the course of his career. I think that's fair. And when you put it into the perspective of this match in particular, too, I mean, he's going up against a guy in Simone who, of course, French veteran, you know, great counterpuncher and whatnot. And, um, you know, he can he can make his own offense, particularly with his backhand a lot of the times. However, you know, you've got to get FAA. He's going to be the one dictating these points. And so comes out with a five and four win. It's not not terribly surprising, but still had to get it done against a veteran. Um, more importantly for me, sets up a blockbuster matchup with uh he and dustin brown are going to be going at it that one that's going to be one to watch for sure oh it's going to be such exciting tennis i wonder for fa you know zverev put so many returns it felt like in the center of the court right it was that's another reason why i felt like he wasn't ready for the grass season was it was a different style you can't you know be that neutral on a return on grass you have to make a first choice and well especially if you've got somebody who's crashing the net every single time you can't just be giving him a floater in the middle (laughs) exactly what i'm excited to see from faa is he will step in on those backhand you know on the forehand on the backhand returns take them inside the court try and take time away from dustin brown Now, he's going to have a ton of errors, I think, and Jill Simone, the nice thing, you can get in a bit of a rhythm against him, although Jill Simone changes directions very well on grass. I just think at this point in his career, he didn't really have the weapon to hurt FAA with. But yeah, for FAA, you know, things to look at, 9 of 20 on his second serve points, that was when Simone could attack and take control of points. But look, he he created seven break points for himself, converted four of them, 15 aces against five double faults. I think it's fine when you have a three-to-one ratio like that. That's somewhat acceptable. Um, I, I'm very excited. I you know I think he's the favorite in that Dustin Brown match, and it, you start out your grass season with a semifinal. That is a great start to your grass uh, ATP That's career. That's not bad. That is not bad at all. Yeah, and so you know a great result from him. And then just real quick to 
put a bow on Stuttgart. Uh, you look at the other result from today. Matteo Berrettini knocks off Kachinov, another uh, quarterfinalist at the French Open. This is me trying to build my argument up. They should have taken the week off. Berrettini <laughs> wins the match 6-4, 6-2. And then you look at the draw for this weekend. Obviously, quarterfinal matchups. Brown versus FAA. Fuksovics versus Milos Raonic. Milos Raonic, if he can stay healthy, sneaky dark horse for, you know, if not second week semifinals of so Wimbledon. Because... boring to watch at Wimbledon. Oh, it, I it's, think... it's so hard to watch. And, and don't get me wrong, like, I credit to him. Like, great. He's got a great grass court game. Good for him. But it's just like, it's not that fun to watch. It's like, okay, he's going to bomb a serve and somebody's like not going to get a racket on it. Uh, you know, he'll get on the run and slap a forehand. You know, it's just like, it's not that fun for me to watch. Yeah, uh, I I don't disagree. And to that, I'll add, and I've said this before, but the most offended I've ever been, maybe not the most offended, but up there is when someone said I looked like Milos Raonic. And I was like, no, no. Okay. Well, first of all, he's better looking than you. So I wouldn't <laughs> take that to heart too bad. But anyway. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. But yeah, you look at the next result. Uh, Jan Leonard Struff, who really has had a sneaky good 2019. Mm-hmm. He matches up against Luca Puy, who has found a pulse, it seems like, post-French Open, uh, knocking out Feliciano Lopez in three sets, then Daniil Medvedev, and then our final quarterfinal, Dennis Kudlov versus Matteo Berrettini. Uh, just looking at this uh, tournament, I guess, who are your favorites going into the weekend? I mean, I think you got to keep an eye on Ronich, like I said before. Um you know, I expect him to come through this match. Then he's got the winner of Dustin Brown and FAA, so it could be an all-Canada matchup um, if you're going by the seeds anyway. But, you know, you look at somebody like Berrettini, who's been very good, but he's, he, he faces someone who's dangerous on Clay Kudla. I don't know. To me, um, I think you got to go with Ronich is your favorite to win this one. Another tangent. You're right. I couldn't keep it away from you. The U.S. and the American men right now play a college tennis Division One format. Who wins? What are you talking about? Who between who? What? The men's singles, Canada, U.S. Right now, you mentioned that all Canadian uh, semifinal possibilities. They play college tennis format. Who wins? Well, you got to tell me who the whole roster is. You can't just name two people and say they play college. Well, format. I mean, you have to do it. I'm saying if you're the Canada coach, you probably say Rayonich, FAA, Shapovalov. That's my one, two, three in some order, and then you probably throw in I don't know Schnur. Uh, Peter Pol- in there somewhere. If he's healthy, uh, Peter Polanski's probably in there. That's the thing. You know, five and six, they probably don't have the depth that America yeah. does. But one, two, three, and then who knows with that doubles point. It's an interesting question. It, de- it, de- it deserves more thought. It sounds like the perfect changeover chat topic. But mm. top of my head, I don't know, man. That top three of Canada is tough. Yeah, top three of Canada is tough. It, that, that's a match that's going to come down to, you know, a dubs point and maybe a four singles match. But So I think the presence of Steve Johnson in the college tennis format would be huge for America. Mm. The thing that he probably slots in at four What about five Isner? Well, so that's the thing, right? Let's do this real quick for America. Isner probably plays one if healthy, correct? If healthy. Just because yep. you have that. And so that's him versus Rayonich. That's mm-hmm. just bomb, bomb, bomb. Yeah, who um, knows? At the two position, though, that's where things get fascinating, right? Like, do you play Tiafo versus FAA at two? Like, is that the matchup, or do you go with Fritz? Do you go with, you know, maybe Sam Query, or do you go with uh, Opelka, Sam. or just who do you go with? Okay, now that I, yeah, I, I think U.S. has the edge here because you got to think that out of that top three, even though Canada is so solid on the grass with those big servers, you got to think they squeak out at least one, right? And well, then with the depth. 
I don't know. I feel like I feel like you gotta I feel like you gotta give the edge to US there. I agree. Much like the old Virginia teams, four, five, and six would where it would be where that team makes its bread and butter, at least against Canada. Spain would have a nasty lineup though. This is something we can do this. Yeah, this time. is yeah. this we are we are getting out of the uh, Stuttgart Netherlands conversation. Yeah, here. exactly. Well you mentioned the Netherlands. That seems like the perfect time to transition then to that tournament. Uh, you know, a ton of great results there. The one I want to break down, and this will really be our only in-depth breakdown from this uh, tournament. Stefano Tsitsipas today, a 6-4-3-6-6-4 loser to Chilean Nicolas Jerry, who I I have been fond of, you know, since he went on his run in South America last year. And again, speaking of decisiveness, the serve, the forehand, they're weapons for Jerry. And for Tsitsipas, he just couldn't find enough angle. You know, he played a good second set, but to me, the problem was he couldn't really find his groove from the baseline, couldn't open up enough angles for himself, floated in a few too many second serves at critical times. And, you know, for Nicolas Jerry, it was just he, when he had his chances, he went after the forehand make or miss, and today he made more than he missed. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And something that was interesting to me when I was watching Tsitsipas and I don't know. I think you can talk about his movement in a lot of different ways. Obviously, he's fast when he gets going on it, but especially in the grass, he just did not look very comfortable. Granted, you can say you can say a lot of people don't look comfortable on grass because it's weird. So fair enough. But he really, really did not. That was something that stuck out to me. Um, And you know, one thing I think he does have some patterns that he can use um, on the grass pretty well. Like you said, I mean, he loves to play first strike tennis with his forehand, and if it does get to his backhand and he doesn't have enough time or, or you know, can't get under it enough to really do his full big one with a lot of spin, you know, he can slice it and set up a forehand. You know, he's got some options at his disposal. Um, but in this case, like you said, Jerry just took the offense, and I was very impressed with the Chilean's ability to do that in the third set. I mean, after coming back, you figure Sitsipas probably has a bit of an edge after that second set, you know, with momentum and experience, ranking, whatever you want to call it. Um, but no, he bounced right back and took it 6-4. Again, Nicolas Jari, the things he did well, he only made 58% of his first serves, but 13 aces against two double faults. He wins 76% of those points, saved five of the six break points he faced. I believe in that third set, it was two all. He was down 15 40 came back with just two massive serves to the Tsitsipas mm-hmm. backhand. Again, you mentioned the backhand, Tsitsipas not having enough time. You're right. I just don't think he looked comfortable yet on the he grass. Now, I think his game will translate well to the surface. As you mentioned, he's perfectly, you know, he has shown the adeptness of his footwork, taking small steps, which is so important on this surface, running around balls, opening up opportunities and changing directions with his forehand. He's fine gunning backhand up the line, taking backhands early cross court and following them in which again bodes well uh sometimes he gets jammed on the return and that'll be interesting to see because jari today when he could get the the ball deep into the tsitsipas backhand that's when he really opened up forehands for himself but don't you know no red alert from me i'm not worried about tsitsipas on grass i just again i think one week too soon just take a warm-up week on grass come into the next one a little bit or or maybe not maybe this is fine for them maybe i'm being crazy no i mean i think I, I mean, it's it's fair to say that, but I guess at some point, because the grass season is so short, people want to make sure they have plenty of you know actual matches played on grass. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, I guess it's you know classic striking a balance between that and then, of course, being ready for the 250s and 500s um, that lead up to Wimbledon. But um, regardless, no, like you said, this isn't a red alert to me for Sitsipas or anything. You know, the, a three-setter. Truthfully, maybe could have gone either way in that third set after he he captured the second, but. 
didn't. I think he'll be fine. Just needs to get a little bit more comfortable with his movement, and he'll be good to go. Yeah. And for Nicolas Giari, you look at who he's been. You know, he beats a qualifier in the first round. Now he knocks off Pass last year for him. He lost second round, but 11-9 in the fifth set to Mackie McDonald. I remember that being a fantastic match. Um, I think, again... All of this depends on how the draw breaks down, but what is Nicolas Jerry ranked right now? I believe he's ranked somewhere in the top 50. Um, yep, uh, no, no, sorry, currently number 60 in the rankings. If the draw breaks right, there's no reason he can't make the third or fourth round. Of Just with the weapons, yeah, no, if he plays well? No, I mean, that's fair, and I think, I don't know, that's something that you can say of a lot of these guys with big games on grass, you know. Um, you know, we, we see this happen, the big serve, the big big forehand you know can they sustain it across you know four or five sets we'll see but the guys who have big games like you said they're able to dictate points and and they're playing pretty well you know it's just super frustrating i think that's one of the things that you, you mentioned um when you're playing a guy you know, a huge guy big serve take it whoever it is jari opelka Raonic, whoever you're going up against if it's just relentless times that you're not even able to get, you know, a solid you know, piece of contact on the ball off a serve, um, it's just frustrating. And so if you're able to wear down opponents like that over long courses of matches now, do I think he's going to have a huge run? Maybe not. Um, but like you said, definitely opportunity for him to win a couple matches depending on how the draw breaks out. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And something I will also keep in mind, Nicolas Jerry, born October 11th, 1995. Not only is that, you know, five days after I was born, but that was the date of my bar mitzvah. So I'm all in on the Jerry bandwagon. I hope he does continue to succeed. Wow, that's really important. Thanks, <laughs> thanks mean, for sharing. <laughs> look, we share only only the important things here at uh, the mini break. But you're looking at the rest of this draw as you look for this weekend. Some of the matchups we'll be uh, seeing. And uh, today, Manorino knocked out the four seed Verdasco, 1-6-6-3-6-4. Goffin over Herbert, 3-5. Christian Guerin over Robin Hassa, 5-5. Five and, five. and that sets up a fun quarterfinal. Uh, we have Alex Dimenauer versus Jordan Thompson at the top of the draw. Uh, to see Dimenauer play well on the grass, I think this is going to be a surface. It's going to be a lot of fun to see with his flat ground strokes, how it uh, translates. I believe Jari will play the winner of Kukushkin and Gasquet, whose name's just not filled in the draw. Not uh, Maybe that match hasn't been played yet. It hasn't been finished, I don't think. I think Gasquet took the first set. I don't think it's been finished. Perfect. Uh, Gofen, as I mentioned, matches up with Manoreno. Then we have Christian Guerin over Borna Chorich, who uh, knocked out Taylor Fritz 4-6-6-3-6-3 in what was another great match. And I think kind of speaks to your points you made earlier about why Fritz could have some success if the draw breaks right for him at Wimbledon. Uh, but looking at this draw, a ton of young names here, uh, some veterans sprinkled in as well. Who are you looking at this weekend? This is going to be a lot of fun. So I think Guerin and Chorich have yet to play, correct? This is the quarters, and um, yeah, they'll they'll be playing. So that's going to be a really fun one. On, on the last mini break, I was on the one I was hosting for Wednesday when I was talking with Stachowiak. You know, Garen's somebody that I'm really keeping an eye on because, of course, you know, a clay quarter um, by trade, perhaps. But it's really interesting for me to see when these people have great breakout clay seasons. You know, what do they do next? You know, you've got a very very different style in the the grass court season, and so it's really fun to me for me to see if any of these guys can capitalize on that momentum despite it being a very very different surface. So this is a big one for me. I think um, that's going to be a very entertaining match with him and Chorich. Uh, I think, of course, you got to go with the Australian battle is going to be a lot of fun too. Damon Hour and Thompson. You mentioned a couple reasons why it'll be fun to watch Damon Hour. Um, 
on the grass, but man, you're right. Those flat strokes. We'll see how, I don't know. That That's a very interesting matchup to me, Jordan Thompson and him. Jordan Thompson with, um, well, an okay mustache, I guess, depending on your depending on your opinion. But Damon Hour, the big forehand, it is super flat. We'll see. I, I agree with you. I would love to. I Garen Chorch is again two young guys. Christian Garen really asserting himself uh, during that clay season. It's nice to see him back it up with an early quarterfinal on the grass. Uh, Chorch is fresh, you know, early exit, uh, early-ish exit, earlier than expected, at least for him in Paris mm-hmm. when he loses to Struff. I'm sure he wants to come out, prove himself early in Stuttgart. Obviously, I believe he won a title last year. Uh, I'm not sure if it was here, but I remember he beat Federer in the final, so he's got points to defend. It was in Halle. Yeah, so he's got points to defend exactly at this portion of the season. You know, Gofen, another guy, just has not found that top 10 form he once showed. Always fun uh, following his progress. Yeah, uh, no matter what, unless Jordan Thompson wins, no disrespect to him. I- I'm excited by any outcome. And if Jordan <laughs> Thompson wins, uh, you know, maybe I'll even be excited by that. Who knows? Um, but yeah, but any final thoughts on this event? Or are you ready to do our one last thing? I'm ready to wrap it up. All right, well, I'm going to do one last thing with you because we have not had that chance to talk since the French Open. Uh, I feel like Roth, this is all Rothman's fault, why I keep talking about these things. But oh boy. you look at the Bavada odds for Wimbledon coming off of that French Open, and obviously Rafa wins his, what was it, 12th in 14 years that he's only lost twice at, at, at a major is just truly, truly a tremendous feature. But Didn't he pull out of one? So. That- yeah, and it, uh, the Soderling match, I mean, whatever. No, not the Soderling match. No, no he pulled the out of... No, he lost to Djokovic. Didn't he pull out of a French? I, but I don't think he played it from the get-go. Mm. Yeah, so that's a, that's a whole nother, whole nother thing. Uh, either way, but so for that, on the men's side, for the women's side, Barty breaking through on the grass the way she did, uh, or on the grass, on the clay the way she did. Uh, obviously, Serena not having that, uh, losing to Kennan in the third round. Petra Kvitova, Angelique Kerber, early exits as well. I'm going to ask you, Jamie, uh, we'll start with the women. Guess the top three in terms of favorites on Bovada right now to win the event. Um, I, I think you would say Kvitova, Barty, and Osaka. So you got number two, three, and four, and in the correct answer, Petra Kvitova plus 600, number two, Ashley Barty plus 800, number three, Naomi Osaka plus 900, number four. I don't hate that. I think those are all players who deserve to be in the top three, or in that top four range, top five. Yeah. Who's one? You're going to love the answer when you hear it. You know who number one is. No, tell me. Serena plus 500. Oh, my God. I mean, obviously. And now, if Serena gets hot, you're going to look like an idiot. But there's a reason Vegas always wins. I mean, I guess. Yeah, I mean, look, I I would love to see her get back to where she was. But, I mean, what, what have we seen in, like, recently that, in would make her, yeah. that would make her the odds leader for that? That's hmm, suspect. Yeah. It's the same reason Andy Murray's as high as he is. But real quick, I, I mentioned Osaka number four. Angelique Kerber plus 1,200 number five. That's not bad. Kanta at number six. Interesting. Pliskova seven. I like that at plus 1,200. But the interesting ones, Madison Keys 18 to one. Benchich 25 to one. Sneaky Carol, uh, Victoria Azarenka, 33 to 1. I don't hate any of those. I mean, you could pick a name out of. Uh, there's a lot of odds you to like there, but those are the ones I'm really looking at. 
Fair enough. Yeah, and now on the men's side, give me the top three. I feel like this is going to be a little easier. Top three for this. Um, ooh, who would they put at one? Uh, Fed, Djokovic. Who are they putting at three? I guess they're putting Nadal. I don't know. So you got the right players in the wrong order. Djokovic, okay. number Djokovic, one, Fed, plus Nadal. 150. Fed, plus 350. Nadal, okay. plus 550. Here's where things get fun. Zverev, number four, at plus 1,200. Raonic, number five, plus 1,400. Clearly, there's Raonic money moving because I think that's the dark horse everyone's looking at. Guess who's number six? You're going to love this. Team. No, team much further down the list. Dominic team, I don't even see. Oh, Dominic team, 28 to one. Number. No respect for the team slice. Yeah, number 12. I don't know who, who they've got, who they got there. I'll give you a hint. Del Potro. No, Del Potro number seven. Okay. Tied with this person. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to guess it. I'm not looking at a list. Andy Murray plus No, they don't. Yes, they do. That is not real. Okay. Can I bet against that? <laughs> I would. Yeah, can you say, like, he's not going to win? Anyone but him. Yeah, but the problem is the odds you'll get are, like, you'll have to pay a million dollars to win a penny. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. I'm willing to take a huge loan from the bank. Be like, look, we're not losing. Like, we will bet seventy million dollars on this against this, and we'll win seven seventy pennies, seventy cents, seventy pennies. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is that is something best. else. By the See, way, I'm not crazy. I had to I had to bring it up. Nadal did pull off a French after two rounds. Okay. So. Okay. My apologies, but Tsitsipas plus eighteen hundred, uh, Marin Cilic plus sixteen hundred, Kyrgios plus twenty five hundred. Funny. Um, mm. I would love to see a curious Wimbledon title, by the right. way. <laughs> yeah, that would be. I'm going to throw my favorite ones. Chorch plus 6,600, so 66 to 1. I don't hate that. Okay, why are we even talking about this at this point? Like, do you think there's Dude, a realistic chance any of yes, these guys win? Yes. If the draw You think there's a one. chance that Chorch wins Wimbledon? Yeah, there's a chance. Well, okay, yeah, no, it, like a legitimate. Yeah, there's a sixty-six to one chance. I think okay. that's properly rated. I'm saying I don't hate it. I think there's, I don't know. I think yes. I think he makes at least the quarterfinals. I think it's okay. probably a Novak Djokovic title, and I feel like I we always not. say that. I don't think it's going to be Roger Federer. I really don't. Um, uh I don't think it's going to be freaking Rayonich either. I'm trying not to swear this podcast, make it easy for West off. I'm about to swear as we close out. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I hope it's not Stanimal, 66 it to 1. No Ooh, way. I would love no, to see No, burn your money. Brinca. That's a terrible bet. Chechenato, 200. Dude, wait, hold on. You, do you think Chorich has a better chance of winning than Vavrinka? Yes. Really? First of all, first of all, Bavada does not. They It has them tied. Um, I know, but I'm, I'm asking you. Yes. You said they're both Stanimal 66 Rinka, to 1. His worst slam traditionally has been Wimbledon. His huge ground strokes on the grass. He's a huskier guy, and I'm saying that affectionately. He's very, very Hey, he's lost fit. some weight. No, he's very physically fit, but I'm saying he's wider, and so it's a little harder for him to maneuver and change directions on the grass. I would say Born Church. I think two uh, two weeks in a row, he can bring that sort of physicality, that sort of intensity that Stan Wawrinka, at this point, I don't think he's capable of, especially on the grass. good, man. He looked good. That's all I'm I saying. Like I know George it was clay, forehand. but he looked good. Yeah, and the George forehand gets a little slappy, but uh, I like George more than I like Dominic Team. Like I would switch their odds and be comfortable with it, and probably still bet George. Did you know that Mavrinka had a nine-year-old daughter? 
Did I, you know why I, I did not know that, but I can't I did not know that. Mention Kyrios twenty five to one. What do you think about that? I mean, that's sick. Good Burn for him. the money, right? I mean, hey, why not? Put a put a couple bucks down. But they the thing have, is, will he ever do it for two weeks? I mean, I don't. They know. I hope so. Dennis, no, I I don't know about this one. But they have Dennis Shapovalov above Stan Wawrinka and above Chorich. That's disrespectful. I don't know. Flashy game gets the odds. Disrespectful. Maybe it, right. maybe none of it will even matter just because you know it's gonna be like you know Djokovic. So yeah, exactly. But <laughs> I hope right. not anyway. I have kept you longer than I promised, or I promised I would end it short. Sure have. But wasn't that a fun rant? Aren't you glad we did it? Well, so glad. It's always a pleasure, man. (laughs) Well, then on that note, any final thoughts? No, just I'm still shocked that Vavrinka has a nine-year-old kid. I did not know that. I feel like I definitely should have known that. Yeah, I mean, again, there's so much tennis, it's hard to keep up with everything, but... That being said, one person who does keep up with everything, two people actually, are super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, who have a f- of an editing job to do. As always, there's a swearing for you. If you've missed any of the tennis, be sure to you know check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need your more immediate fixes. Check out our social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube. You're on the road. You need podcasts to listen to. You've got this podcast, The Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews, What the Deuce. We've got everything firing on all cylinders. There's some fun announcements coming in the future as well. But for my wonderful co-host, James Foster McDonald, for our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westhoff, and from our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. James Foster, what do we tell our listeners? That's a break. And we will see you all next week. Enjoy your weekend.